Welcome to the We Are Calvary podcast, where our mission is to share Jesus and help people experience life change. Thank you so much for listening. Here's this week's message. Good morning, church. Why don't you stand to your feet for the reading of the word? If you are a a guest with us, we take these moments every single week to come around the scriptures. We believe that The Bible is the inspired word of God. We believe it is relevant for us today, and so we take these moments every single week to come around the scriptures, to learn more about who Jesus is, who God is, and ultimately how are we called to respond with our lives to the saving message of Jesus Christ? How do we learn to walk with the spirit of God each and every day? And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Psalm 142. We're in a series entitled Summer in the Psalms. And I think that this one in particular is going to connect with the hearts of many of us in this room today. And so let's begin to read this together, a Psalm of David. He says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father. Lord, we come before you right now knowing that there is something that you want to do in this moment. And so Lord, I would just ask that you would limit every distraction in the room right now all the places that our mind may want to run to, would we be present here in this moment with a great expectancy that you want to speak and you want to move and you want to minister and you want to heal. And so Lord, we thank you and we worship you in this place. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, you may be seated this morning. It goes by fast. That is the statement that has been given to me ever since my first child was born, that it just goes by fast. Enjoy every moment. It quickly is going to move by. And I think for the very first time, I'm really starting to feel it. My daughter just turned six years old a couple weeks ago. And for her birthday, she wanted to get manicures and pedicures and get her ears pierced. I was like, oh my goodness, we're at this point, aren't we? And as much as time is going by fast and they're growing very quickly, uh, part of them, not just physically are they growing, but also they're growing a little bit in in attitude, right? (laughs) Yesterday I was sitting at my table getting ready for the weekend and my daughter walked into the kitchen and I said, hey, sweetie, just so you know, after church tonight, we are going to get to go to your favorite restaurant. And she looked at me and she said, dad, we always go there. It's lame. And then she just walked out of the room, and then little Otto, next in line, he looked at me and goes, yeah, bro, it's lame. And he walked out too. Wild. So yes, 
A lot is changing. Yes, time is flying by in my family and in parenting, but you know, there's another thing that I think we would all feel this morning is how fast time is just moving in general. I mean, does it not feel that right now in our day and age that time is just moving so quickly? In fact, it seems like it's speeding up. Specifically thinking about kind of post-COVID-19, sorry to go there for just a second, but a lot has changed in the last number of years. I mean, just think about the the advancements in technology that we're having to navigate right now. Now, The the big phrase that everyone's talking about, artificial intelligence, right? AI, you know, chat GBT, all of these different things. I remember even last December being in the backstage lounge with some of our team and we were typing into, you know, chat GBT, Christian perspective on peace. To be honest with you, the result was pretty good. (laughs) We probably could have used it in a message. But fast forward six months, And in June of this year, there actually was a Lutheran church in Germany, and 300 people gathered together to participate in a service that was 98% generated by artificial intelligence and actually given by avatars. Wild, right? Uh, Another thing, a word that I heard recently, biometrics. Like scientists are actually trying to figure out how to manipulate DNA in order to create a very specific and certain type of person. And then you take that and you think about some of the different brain interfaces that they're trying to create. We actually, you might even have at one point a, a human and machine hybrid walking around. And then take all that and look at our phenomenon of social media. <laughs> yes, that might say it all right there. And I think the uh comes from the reality that we live in this time and space to where any experience that we have We think that what we need to do is we need to capture it and then we need to share it with everybody because the reality is we just really want to have the experience of other people seeing the things that we're doing and then to affirm that what we're doing is valuable. I mean, think about the pressure that we all feel all the time to be connected, to constantly be connected, the expectations that come with that to keep up and to to be aware of everything and to keep up with everyone not to mention the 24-7 news cycle. There's another one. 90% of it being negative. And it's so interesting, it's almost as if it moves so fast that before we can even feel anything about this story that we just read, we're already having to brace ourselves for the next dose of bad news. Now throw in all the changes in the economy, the state of international affairs, wars and riots, it's a lot. Edwin Friedman was a rabbi, but he also was a therapist. He wrote a book called The Failure of Nerve. I want you to hear what he says in his book. He says, anxiety escalates as a society is overwhelmed by the quantity and the speed of change. That the speed of change is actually overwhelming for us as human beings leaving many, if not all of us, to feel what some have even labeled as a sort of ambient anxiety, a heaviness that we all experience. So how do you feel right now? How are you processing all of the change? How's how's your soul this morning? Now the reality is, many of us 
may not even be able to answer those questions. In fact, many, if we are being honest with ourselves, we do our best to avoid answering such questions. I don't want to think about it. La, 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 everything's fine. Everything's going to be okay. What we do is we manage everything by coping. We reach out for our closest device. We, we scroll through our social media feeds. We undersleep. We overeat. We try to convince ourselves that the nightly drink is really just a way to help us unwind and to, to decompress. But in reality... Instead of doing the thing that our human soul needs, which is to process how it is that we're feeling, we pacify. But what if the avoidance of feeling deeply ultimately is leading to our shallow living? What if the avoidance of feeling deeply is slowly inhibiting our ability to live into God's vision for human flourishing? I mean, what would happen today if we allowed ourselves to feel deeply again, to move beyond the surface level, to acknowledge pain, to identify emotions, and to process them appropriately? What type of people could we become? And what type of example would that be to the world around us? I mean, what if we risked slowing down enough to feel, and we brought those feelings not to something, but to someone. Not just something, but to someone. Our fears, our, our angers, our distress, our joys, our anxiety. See, this is the beautiful reality. The Psalms are actually where we find how to bring these emotions to God in prayer. I love this from Tim Keller. He says, the Lord's prayer tells you in a nutshell what you should pray but it's the book of Psalms that teaches you how to pray. The Psalms actually teach us how to practice what the scriptures call lament. A prayer of petition that comes from a felt need. A prayer of response to what is taking place in our lives and in our own souls. See, to lament is to be present. To be present with God, to be present with yourself, your feelings, your pain, your sadness, and also the capacity to be present with the pain and the sadness of others. Of the 150 Psalms, at least one third of them contain an example of lament. And our text today has one of those examples. Psalms 142 is considered a wisdom psalm. It is written for our instruction, means that as we read this text, we should begin to take out what is it that the Lord is wanting us to understand so that we can therefore practice it in our reality and begin to experience the results of it. Psalm 142, David is reflecting on a difficult time in his life. A time where he is literally hiding in a cave so that he can avoid Saul trying to kill him. If you want to read more about that story, you can go to 1 Samuel. But in this moment, as he is reflecting back at this time, listen to the words that he says. He says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. I want you to key in on some of those phrases. He says, I cry aloud. 
I lift up my voice, I pour out my complaint, I tell my trouble. The emphasis here is on David's capacity to have outward expression of his inward emotion. That the invitation for us is to realize that our emotions, the pain, the sadness that you might be sensing even in this moment, it needs to be acknowledged. Emotions need acknowledgement, but that does not mean that they necessarily need fulfillment. And that is something key to understand. Just because you feel it does not mean that you have to live into that, but that does also not mean that you should not at least have moments to where you can really honestly and vulnerably express what is taking place in your life. Human beings, in order to flourish, need to appropriately express pain, sadness, and disappointment. We have to be able to express anger and grief and frustration and failures. But we have to do it appropriately. We have to do it well. We are a soul. That means that you have a spirit, a heart, a will. You have a mind, which is your thinking and your emotion. And you have a body. And this practice of lament that we see in the scriptures, this practice that is on offer for us today is going to help lead us to having a healthy soul. And this first part of our text is communicating the reality that we have to be able to express. A.J. Swoboda is a, he's a pastor, he's an author. And he shares this story of a, of a naval historian who was trying to understand the differences in the mental health of those who returned from World War II compared to those who returned from Vietnam. Now the reality is there are many cultural reasons why the two are very different and there was different results. And we don't have time to go into all of them, but I wanna recognize it is not just this one theory. There's a lot to it. But this naval historian thought about the theory or what could it have played into the reality of the time it took for these men to get home. When, when Vietnam ended, a lot of these men, they were able to get into planes and they were to fly home. And within two days, you're fighting this war. And two days later, you're in your home, maybe holding the baby that you've never met. Think about how quickly that change would be. Now, he compared that to World War II, where the reality was it was not a two-day journey from getting back over to the States. No, in fact, for some, it was up to two months on a boat. Uh, they called it, um, I think it was Operation Magic Carpet. All of these boats getting hundreds of thousands of military men back to the States. Now, just think about that for just a moment. When you were on a boat with your friends, with your brothers, who all just experienced a lot of heaviness and death and pain, what do you do? You talk about it. You share about it. You cry together. You lament together. There's something about that process that is deeply important for us as people. There's a story that I've read in multiple different places about uh, a group of women who lived in this village. And, you know, multiple times a week they would come together at the local stream and they would clean clothing together. And then as technology advances, enter in the washing machine. They no longer had to go to the river. And here's what was interesting. They found that not only did efficiency go up in these households, so did depression. Why? 
because they missed out on that weekly rhythm of coming together to the river just to, yes, to wash clothing, but also to share with one another, to share in each other's burdens, to talk about what is difficult, to talk about what is hard, to talk about their feelings. They no longer had that moment together, and that was a significant shift for them. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. It does us much good to set out our sorrow. For much of it vanishes in the process like a ghost which will not abide the light of day. And the rest loses much of its terror because the veil of mystery is removed by a clear and deliberate stating of the facts. Pour out your thoughts and you will see what they are. Show your trouble and the extent of it will be known to you. Let all be done before the Lord. For in comparison with his great majesty of love, the trouble will seem to be as nothing. I love that line. He says, let all be done before the Lord. Go back to our verse in Psalm 142. What does David say? I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. The invitation is to an action aimed at certainty. And as believers and the person in the way of Jesus, our certainty is in Christ. Our certainty is in God. And we have to get really good about being willing to express these things to God. That is the invitation. Now, some of you might even think right now, yeah, but I'm really good at expressing it on Facebook. Yeah, I get that. That's kind of the problem. Now here's the deal, that will lead to short-term gratification, but it's not gonna lead to long-term hope. It's not gonna lead to the long-term ability for God to move in your circumstances and specifically to move and to comfort your heart in the midst of difficult times. We are to unload our concerns to God. This is a theme in not only the Psalms, but we also see it in the New Testament. Look at the writings of the Apostle Paul, a very famous passage of scripture. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We need to understand the reality that when you go to God in these moments, something supernatural takes place. The Spirit of God begins to guard your heart, begins to guard your mind in Christ Jesus. I think this morning we need to be reminded that the Holy Spirit is also known as our counselor. Look at the Gospel of John, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, I think it's important to say this. The Holy Spirit being our Counselor, our wonderful Counselor, that is not to undermine the role of a human Counselor. Many of us on this platform, we have been very real and transparent and honest that we see counselors from time to time. My counselor was here last night. Always adds a fun element to the evening. <laughs> but here's what I want to say. Do not allow meeting with a human counselor to undermine the role of the counsel of the Holy Spirit. In fact, what I, would, what I would charge to you is that one of the most beautiful things I think we can do is actually find counselors who are also following the way of Jesus, 
who are also filled with the Holy Spirit so that when you enter into that space, it is you, it is them, and it is the voice of God imparting to you what needs to happen. Again, don't allow your counselor to undermine the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. But also there's a beautiful reality of what it means to sit with another and to express and to lament and to allow them to speak into your existence. Now David begins uh, to say in verse three, he says, when my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. I don't like that he says when. I want him to say if. It may not happen, but if by chance ever in your life your spirit grows faint. No, no, no. He says when it does because, friends, it will. There will be times and moments in your life where your spirit within you will grow faint. It's not if, but when. And even when, God is aware. But see, God is not just aware of your problems and the difficulty that you're facing. He sees what caused it, he sees you in it, and he also sees what is on the other side of it. And there should be great comfort for us in knowing that. He knows exactly what has led to the pain. He knows exactly what has led to the heartache. He knows exactly what has led to the frustration. He, did never, he never left you nor forsook you in that. He's in it with you. And he also sees what's coming next. He sees beyond, and we have to have great hope in that today. David then just says, in the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there's no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. This right here, this is his lament. Listen to the words. No one cares for me. I look to the right, I am alone. I have no one with me in this moment. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. He's lamenting. He's being real and honest and vulnerable about what is transpiring in here. There is honesty, there is vulnerability. And here's what I would say, your soul demands vulnerability and reality. There's just something about actually communicating what it is that you are sensing taking place that is good for your soul. But then listen to the very next line. He says, I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. See, next comes this deep confidence and this deep trust in who God is. But that also doesn't undermine the fact that he just said, I have no refuge. Because he felt that. He felt alone. He felt concerned. He felt isolated. But it's also founded on the confidence and the truth that while I may feel that I have no refuge, no, 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 I know God, therefore he is my refuge. And he says that. In this passage in particular, you'll notice that his lament is actually sandwiched between two trust or two confidence. He starts with the confidence It is you who watch over my way. He then laments, I feel alone. I feel like you're not here. I feel that no one is with me, that no one's concerned for me, that I have no refuge, and then comes the next. But I know that you are my refuge. And I will also speak that out in desperation. 
At verse six, he says, listen to my cry for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me for they are too strong for me. Here comes his petition. You know that you can ask God for things? I mean, all throughout the scriptures, they're doing it. That thing that you might be lamenting in this moment, the pain, whatever that might be, the disease, the, all of that, you know that you can actually go to God and say, God, this is what I want to see you do. Now, that is not to say that he is going to do every single thing that we ask of him to do, but that should not stop you from asking. In fact, I actually think that in the asking, whether it's answered or not, there's something that is transpiring in that moment. Lord, I'm trusting you. I trust you enough and think you are so good that I'm just going to ask for it. Lord, heal my body of this sickness. In the name of Jesus, do something significant and break this stronghold in my life. Church, we need to be better about asking of God what it is that we believe in our heart of hearts of what we need in our life. Don't be afraid to ask God to heal you. Don't be afraid to ask God to break that stronghold. Don't be afraid to allow yourself to express these things and then say, God, but I need you to come and meet me in this moment. I need you to act on my behalf. He finishes in verse seven, set me free from my prison that I may do what? That I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. Now listen to that last bit. Do you see what David's doing there? Lord, set me free from this prison. Answer my petition that, that I might praise your name. That the righteous would actually gather because of your goodness to me. I love that. I'm gonna start incorporating that into my prayer life. I've never done that before. God, answer this prayer. And Lord, I mean, imagine the encouragement to the community if that were to be answered. I, why not? Give it a whirl this next week. Let's see what happens. I'd love to be encouraged by what God is doing in your life. Because see, David knows that when we begin to see how God is acting in the community, it does something to the soul of the community. I don't have permission to share a moment that happened last night, but I got a really good reminder at the end of service last night that God is moving amongst his people. That God is drawing people to himself and it is beautiful and it is deeply encouraging. So here's what I wanna do. I've had this deep conviction in my heart the last number of months of the need for us to actually create space in our services to begin to practice some of these things. It's one thing to say, hey, you need to lament. You need to do these things. So let's sing a song and get out there and have some fun. But what if we practice it together and we experience it together and you actually saw what it was like and what it felt like and maybe even the Lord would begin to move in this moment and then you'd say, you know what? I could practice that on a Monday. I could do that on a Tuesday afternoon. I could take my lunch break and walk through a framework of lament. And so what I wanna do is I'm gonna invite Tina to come out and she's just gonna play over this time. We've got, we've got some time. 
And I want to lead you through the practice of lament. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to sit down. Everyone's really nervous now. (laughs) Me too. So here's what we're going to begin with. When you practice this, you got to begin with creating some space. Because we have so many distractions in our world. There's so many things vying for your attention. There are so many things that you should be thinking about, you should be worried about. There's reality taking place all around us. And so you're going to have to fight to calm your mind a bit to say, okay, I receive from you today, God. I love this from Paul E. Miller. He says this, we are often so busy and overwhelmed that, we, that when we slow down to pray, we don't even know where our hearts are at. We don't know what troubles us. So oddly enough, we might have to worry before we pray. Then our prayers will make sense. Then they will be about our real lives. So we're gonna take a moment, and if you need to close your eyes to limit the distraction, please do. But let's just sit in some space. Holy Spirit, reveal what it is that you need to reveal. God, we create this moment because we need to meet with you. We need you to speak to us. We need you to reveal to us. I know that there are many in this room that this is a deeply uncomfortable moment because we like to run fast and we like to run hard. And as much as we feel like we're accomplishing a lot, one thing that we're doing is we're hollowing out our soul. And so we create space. Now, in Psalm 42, David begins with an address. He cries out. He pours out to God. And so take a couple moments and just address God. Maybe you haven't done this in a really long time. Maybe it's been a long time since you said, Dear Heavenly Father. But I invite you to do so now. And no matter how long it's been, No matter how unqualified you feel, just know that the Lord is longing for this moment to encounter you. Thank you, God. We come to you and you alone in this moment. We sit, we wait. We declare who you are. We declare your goodness. And then we enter into the moment of lament. Now, I think what's most important is to be able to do this verbally and out loud in this environment. That could be a little bit different. And so maybe even just quietly in your hearts, just start to speak to God. Lord, this is what I'm sensing. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm worried about. And I know that saying it feels hard because then it it makes it real. But again, in the reality, that's when God wants to meet. So what is your lament this morning? Lord, for me, I know that I have a heavy heart for my friends who are walking into a doctor's office on Thursday. And not a heavy heart thinking that you're not good or that you're not gonna come through, but 
I just know the heaviness that it is on their heart. I feel that pain today. Lord, all throughout this weekend, when we sat in this moment, I've also just thought about my kids. I think about the world that they're growing up in and oh God, I just so desperately want them to love and follow you all the days of their lives. I wanna see Astoria do beautiful things for the kingdom of God. I wanna see Otto fight for what is good and what is right. I wanna see little August grow to be a beautiful reflection of the person of Christ. From the lament comes confidence. Be reminded that your lament rests on confidence, that we serve a good God. Despite how it feels at times, he is in control. He is over all things. And he sees you in this moment and he knows the pain and he knows how much it hurts you. It breaks his heart. But he's with you in it. And so Lord, we're just confident in you. We trust you. You are gracious and you are good and you are merciful and you comfort those who are afflicted. You draw close the crushed in spirit. And then comes the opportunity to petition. What is it that you wanna see God do right now? You want healing in your body? Ask. You wanna see your kids continue to be faithful to Jesus? Lord God, strengthen me as a parent to lead them into that reality. That stronghold that has continued to just bombard your mind and your body. Lord, break strongholds today in the name of Jesus. Do something significant in our nation, Father God. Do something significant in our church, Lord God. Lord, we do wanna see a revival break forth. We wanna see people come to know Jesus Christ. We wanna see people to to experience the goodness, to taste and see that the Lord is good. We want that, Father. We petition that to you today. And then from petition comes praise. We praise you. We worship you. And so church family, I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet. I just want us to take a few moments. I want us to praise together. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to partner with us in sharing Jesus and helping people experience life change, you can support our mission by clicking the link in the description. If this message has impacted you, please subscribe and share. To learn more, visit wearecalvary.com. We'll see you back next week.